teacher. And we need all five of those. We don't just need one. We need all five. And the prophet anointing is a piercing or breaking through anointing. It will break us through into a realm that, that we can't always get to without the prophet. Hallelujah. That's part of the prophet's job is to pierce us through in prayer. A, pr- a prophet is above all a prayer. Hallelujah. A man or woman of prayer. And uh, so, uh, and you you don't, the prophet is first of all, a past, has first been a pastor or a teacher. And Brother Wynn has, of course, been both. Hallelujah. And so, uh, and then, and like one person said, well, not one person, but uh, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, out of the furnace of much affliction, I have chosen thee. Behold, that would be the description of the prophet. Hallelujah. Lots of, oh, I want to be a prophet. Well, hallelujah. That's good. And if God's called you, you will be. But it is the furnace of much affliction getting there. Hallelujah. So, but the, the anointing that the prophet carries will pierce through things. Break through things. Break open things. Hallelujah. And that's what we're believing for, is for things to be pierced through, broken open in Tuscaloosa County. Things we've not ever seen or touched before. Hallelujah. So that's good. That's a good thing. I want to pass this around. Now, our meeting on Saturday, I said Friday, but I was not meaning that. Brother Wynn is arriving on Friday here, and he's going to come in all rested up. Everything. Last time we got him tired because he had jet lag from being caught in an ice storm in an air Airport and all that kind of stuff, but he's coming in rested because I don't think he had a week uh, meeting. He's been in the states a while, and he didn't have a meeting last weekend. There wasn't nobody in Alabama or the whole southeast. They's all at the beach, and so there's no te- no church um, had invited him in for that meeting. So he's rested, and he's coming in Friday. But fr- on Saturday at five thirty, we're going to be having a meal. You're going to come to River Church Olive Garden. Oh, and hallelujah. So you'll be blessed. We, we're we better than the Olive Garden. That's what we're claiming anyway. Hallelujah. And so, Anita, do you need to meet with anybody after the service? You do? If if you would volunteer to help Anita, uh, either before the, before the supper, she needs help. And after the supper, we will all need help. And so, um, and then Brother Wynn is going to speak. I'll pass this around right now. And uh, if you did not get to sign up, we need to know if you're coming, how many in your family. And uh, it will be, uh, then we can have you. So raise your hand if you need to sign up for that. So we'll know, we'll know how many to prepare for. And that'll be a blessing. That'll be a big blessing. So looking forward to that. And then our Sunday service will be at 1010 and our... uh, and then at 6 o'clock that night, and then Monday night at 7 o'clock. So this is going to be a blessed time for us. We're looking forward to it. Um, Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. I'm seeing if there's anything. Oh, this is something I wanted to do. I'm going to turn to Psalm 91 in the Amplified. Had this in my heart. And uh, and we'll pray also. Pastor, would you hand me that book? That little mini book there? This is what we're praying and declaring and saying. And we don't say anything different. One of the things the enemy is trying to do, Pastor pointed this out, is to get us to say something that's contrary to what we're believing for. Unauthorized. Uh, hallelujah. I know we're on the right track. 
because we've drawn some fire, some persecution. Uh, Saturday morning, a man, I don't know, even know who it was, called us up on the phone at home. Well, no, it wasn't, a home, it wasn't our home phone. It was, I was having the calls forwarded to my cell phone and chewed, chewed me out because we didn't have a bus. I mean, I just, just chewed me. And I said, man, we're doing something right. When the devil just out of the blue, just called somebody you don't even know. I said, oh my, that was Sandballot. Y'all know Sandballot? It is. Y'all don't know Sanballat? Y'all need to read the book of Nehemiah. When Nehemiah got on the wall and started to build, Sanballat started harassing him and coming against him. Hallelujah. And so that's what, when you go, get to going with God, Sanballat will start harassing you. And I said, well, I don't know what that man's name is, but he's Sanballat. I tell you what. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then, you know, other things, even drawing some fire through emails. Hallelujah. So, um, Praise God. Hallelujah. Just, you know, when you're persecuted, you're supposed to rejoice. I said, man, we must be doing something right because we've not got, ever gotten this kind of fire before. Never made the devil so mad before. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. Hallelujah. But anyway, in Psalm 91 in the Amplified, it says, He who dwells in the secret place, now we agree with this, let's agree with it, of the Most High shall uh, remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. I absolutely love that part. That's worth the whole verse in the Amplified. Whose power no foe can withstand. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortress. We say that. Our God, on Him we lean and rely in Him I confidently trust. For then He will deliver us from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He covers us with His pinions and under His wings shall we trust and find refuge. His truth and His faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. We are not afraid of the terror of the night, nor of the arrow, the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day. That's what I wanted to read right there. The evil plots and slanders of the wicked, nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. A thousand might fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, but it shall not come our way or near us. Only a spectator shall we be, ourselves inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High, as we witness the reward of the wicked. Because we have made the Lord our refuge, the Most High our, ha our dwelling place, there shall no evil befall us, nor any plague or calamity come near our tent. Hallelujah. That's your house. Hallelujah. And your tent. Your body. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, Paul called it a tent in Corinthians. Hallelujah. Your body. Hallelujah. For he will give his angels a special charge over you. Say, is special. A special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. Uh, Garland said that. He said, you know, being in the perfect will of God, being in obedience. Hallelujah. They will bear us up in their hands. We do not dash our foot against a stone. We tread upon the lion, the adder, the young lion, and the dragon we trample underfoot. Because we set our love upon the Lord, therefore He delivers us. He sets us on high because we know and understand His name. We have a personal knowledge of His mercy, 
love and kindness. We trust and rely on God, knowing He never forsakes us, no, never. He, we call upon Him, and He answers us. He is with us in trouble. He delivers us and honors us, and with long life, He satisfies us and shows us His salvation. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. But, you know, really and truly, it's true. If you're not drawing any fire from the devil, you're probably not in the perfect will of God. Because he don't mind anything less than that. Hallelujah. Now, we've been saying this. This is from uh, Charles Capps' book, God's Creative Power for Finances. And this is a, a very powerful. And as long as we just keep saying this. Pastor's reminding me just two things. Well, we're saying this. Let me, I'll finish this, then I'll get to that. He, uh, listen to me building and in Coker, Alabama, I'm talking to you. Jesus said you would obey me. You're going to be a blessing to someone. Now I call you sold in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So that, we took care of that. Y'all agree with that? And where two or more agree on earth is touching anything? There's nothing. It's powerful. That is powerful. Agreement is powerful. Hallelujah. And hallelujah. Praise God. And then pastor said two things we're supposed to be saying. Uh, um, a new avenue of revenue. Thank you, Lord. We have a new avenue of revenue. Thank you, Lord. And everything's turning out amazing. Praise God. Don't say nothing else. The devil wants you to say what it looks like, what it feels like. You know, what it could be. What your Uncle Charlie said about it. Hallelujah. But we're not going to say none of those things. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to just say, we're going to say the truth of what God has told us. Hallelujah. Now, tonight we'll study uh, in our, we're, pra- we're studying uh, faith for prosperity. And tonight we're going to talk about our super, uh, about the supernatural wealth transfer. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, you know, you probably, if you've been in a church like ours, here, this church, any length of time whatsoever, you've probably heard in passing something about the supernatural wealth transfer. Maybe you've heard something about um, uh, the wealth of the wicked stored up for the righteous, and you go, well, and but tonight what we need to do is lay a foundation for that and uh, not just be something like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, good, praise God, but something we actually have a spiritual foundation for. Not just something we, we, you know, you could just say a lot of good things and we could agree with them. You know, you're going, I could say, you're, we're all going on a cruise next year and y'all would go, praise God, let's agree. But I don't have a bit of, I don't have a bit of scriptural basis for that. And I can tell you another song to that story is I ain't going on a cruise with anybody. <laughs> Hallelujah. I have a motto. Don't get on anything you can't get off of if you want to that's my <laughs> and I'm not going to jump in the water so <laughs> praise God if you can't get off quick you know if I want to get off I want to be able to get off hallelujah thank you Jesus so I'm not going on any cruises I've never been a water person you can I mean I love swimming pools but uh, other than that because I want to see the bottom Hallelujah. And know what's down there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And maybe I, it'd be better off not to know what's down there, probably, in the case of cruises and so forth. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. I'd like to go on one of those river cruises because, you know, you're pretty close to the bank at all times. <laughs> Only thing is, I think they're just gambling boats, so I'm not going to go on those. So, so, but anyway, it sounds fun. Um, 
Hallelujah. Anyway, so the point of all of that was that we need to have a scriptural basis for anything we say. And sometimes we just don't take the time to dig that out. So we're going to take the time tonight to kind of dig out, you know, what is what is, what is that based on? Do we have do we have more than one verse? Do we have just one verse? Do we have do we really can we really believe for that that there would be a transfer of wealth over from the wicked to the righteous? So um you know, we need to turn to some scriptures and look. And so we're going to start in Proverbs 13, if you'd get your Bible. Hallelujah. Now, um, you know, I think sometimes um, people with a little bit of religion and not a lot of sense can mess up the whole everybody. Not a lot of good... uh, They've been uh, religiously brainwashed, Brother Hagin said, instead of spiritually taught. And so I want to talk, tell you tonight that we're not talking about, you know, God's going to put big taxes on the rich and, and he's going to get us all set up on a, uh, where the government sends us a check every month. You know, God, that is not God's plan. We want God, this to be God's doing, not some government's doing. And, uh, you know, now over 50% of our nation uh, is dependent upon some sort of a check from the government. And that is not the direction we want our nation to go because it's, it's against the principles of God. Hallelujah. And we can look up some scriptures about that too. So don't be thinking in that light. Be thinking in God doing something instead of my government doing something for me. I like what President Kennedy said. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask instead what you can do for your country. And I think we need uh, somebody to, to, to rehash that. It may be, I, I may have said that backwards, but you know you got the point. In other words, we're not supposed to be looking to our country. We're supposed to be seeing what we can do for our country. And the main thing we can do for our country, of course, is to pray. The next thing we can do is to vote and to, to bring in uh, leaders who have godly values. Sometimes you can't tell... You can't tell by what all of them say they're Christian because, you know, 80% of America believes there's a God. And so they're going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm Christian. Or they're going to at least say I'm Jewish or something, you know. So you can't go by that, but um, you have to go by by their values. You have to look at their voting records and their values and whether they're pro-life or pro-abortion, whether they're for gay marriage or are against gay marriage because we know those things are against the Bible. And so when they're against the Bible, they're against God. And so they're either a very uh, unlearned Christian, not going to say they're not saved and not going to go to heaven, but they either are not a, they haven't been taught and they haven't, they're an unlearned Christian or they're not a Christian at all. And they just say that, you know, Christian doesn't mean anything anymore. It just means, all Christian means is, you know, uh, that you're not Jewish and you're not Muslim. I mean, that's really true. Even when I was growing up, uh, when we would fill out uh, a form for elementary school, it would say, are you Protestant or Catholic? Well, you know, putting down your Protestant don't mean nothing, does it? No. Because, uh, uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
like, uh, for instance, I was reading about the gypsies. I've been interested in the gypsies. That advertisement on TLC about the American, I was, American gypsies fascinated me. I'm like, there's gypsies in America? Because when we went to Russia, we stayed in a hotel and we was on the fifth floor or something, and there were some gypsies camped out down below us outside. And boy, I'm telling you, they were having some kind of a celebration. They were noisy and loud. And this, here, they were gypsies. That's what they told us. And so I've been kind of fascinated by them. So I found out there's large, uh, uh, there's quite a few gypsies in America. There's, I mean, actually, they're very, they're not that large, but there is more than you'd realize. In fact, Murphy Falls, South Carolina, which is North Augusta, is a big community of gypsies. Uh, you can't even live in that town without uh, permission from, I guess, the head gypsy or something. And uh, you got and they, and and we're not talking about living in. You know, they you used to think of gypsies is in a little wagon. But now these are these are big, huge, fancy houses. These people are prosperous anyway. And so uh, when I but when I was reading about them, I started studying about them. When I was reading about them, they are uh, like ninety percent uh, Christian, but only nine percent evangelical. So that makes a big difference. You can say you're Christian. But evangelical usually insinuates that you're born again. Usually. Does that make sense? And so it's not enough just to be, we're not, you can't go by Christian, by people that say they're Christian. So we look at values. And so that's, so so based on that, but we're talking about here about what God wants for uh, us as Christians. So we're not looking to our government to prosper us. We're looking to God to prosper us. We're not looking for God to our government to supply our need. We're looking to God. Not anything wrong, you know, with somebody drawing their Social Security. I'm not talking about that or anything. I'm just talking about becoming dependent where you don't... Uh, well, basically, I guess you could say when you're able-bodied and mentally sound and you don't work. That is... You know, well, there is no work. Well, but there is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, Proverbs 13, 22. I'm going to get going here. So I gave you a little extra, a little tidbit of information. Uh, so, uh, hallelujah. 13, 22. But I just wanted to clarify from the beginning that it's a God thing. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. So this is the scripture that we most often draw from. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. The Amplified Bible says the wealth of the sinner finds its way eventually, say eventually, into the hands of the righteous for whom it was laid up. Eventually. And this can happen a lot of different ways. And it's not, I think we do wrong when we, when we just say, you know, checks in the mail or something. Or we just, we nearly think it's magic. You know, poof. It's just going to appear. God, most of the time, puts His super on our natural. He puts His super on our natural. In fact, the Lord told me today that all of us in this room, because we have clung to the Word of God and we have released our faith, that there is so much super functioning in our natural that if he removed it we would be shocked by how little we had and how li- and how far it would not go 
because he has been, he is continually, just like the blood of Jesus is continually washing us from sin, this supernatural, as we release our faith and as we speak the word, the super is constantly anointing our natural. And the more, of course, you release faith and the more you participate in covenant by tithing and giving offerings and the more you confess the word and declare the word, the more the super is net operating in your natural and the more your money is actually being multiplied, your, your, your equipment is working longer. I'm not saying necessarily forever, but longer. Hallelujah. I was just thankful today. I was on the porch this morning praying and I saw that my neighbors whose house was built after ours across the street was getting a whole new air conditioner. And I said, praise God. And that's when the Lord told me about our super, his super that is always working in our natural. Hallelujah. And you know, yeah, things do work out, wear out and we replace them. But sometimes we're kind of like my stepmom said. She said, I wish that I, I wish my washer would quit so I could get a new one, but it just keeps on going. <laughs> she wants one of those new fancy kind with the front load, but she, and daddy, my daddy, he's a banker. He's like, we ain't going to buy a washer unless it quits, you know. And sometimes we've got such a super on our natural that we nearly have to go and get under there and cut a belt or something. And, and if she could do that, it would work because my daddy can't fix nothing. And so um, he's not a handyman. He's a good man, but he's not a handyman. Never has been. And so she could get her a new washer and dryer. Hallelujah. And my stepfather's a lot the same way. It's like my mother-in-law, she had that seafoam green carpet and seafoam green drapes. She was in the, hung in the late 70s. And, you know, she's like, but Walt, but it was a real fancy, expensive wool carpet because they bought this house from a dentist. And he had put very expensive stuff in it. And so it was like it would not wear out. This carpet would not wear out. And Mimi wanted new carpet. And, uh, but, but, Walt being raised through the depression and people like that. It's like, we're not going to buy new carpet just because it's out of style. It's still working. Well, you know, and so I told her, I said, well, uh, Norma, you know, if that's what was required. Now, my husband, thank goodness, is not that way. If I say, well, you know, it's we need something more stylish, well, he might kind of go, but he, he kind of can see that, you know. And so I said, but I I said, Norma, I can fix that. Just kind of trip as you're walking through the, you know, living room with a pint of bleach or something, you know, and, and you can have a hole in this carpet pretty, pretty quick. Well, actually, the problem resolved itself. Although I told her recently, I said, Norma, you're already back. You're back in style. Your turquoise green, it's a little bit, you know, it's all way back in. She's got flocked wallpaper. That's back. It's back. Hallelujah. 30 she, yeah, 30 years later, she's back and the flocked wallpaper's right. But it took care of itself because our family had a tradition that Walt, at Christmas, they have this humongous fireplace. you just big. Well, they Walt would bring a log in that was as long as from here to that wall. And he would prop it up on a stool. And then on Christmas Eve, and he would just push along and let it burn on one end, you know, in the fireplace and then just push it in. And so the Christmas Eve a few years ago, three years ago or something, well, Pop put the Yule log in, you know, and he lit the fire but forgot to open the, da the damper. 
And, you know, by the time Mimi discovered it, because Pop went back to the farm, by the time she discovered it, they had to move out of their house and move to Lubbock to stay in a hotel and totally... You know, everything had to be cleaned, everything had soot on it, everything. And now, Pop can't even have a fire at all, you know. There is no more family traditions, and you can get rid of carpet that way if <laughs> if you have to. So um, anyway, so uh, praise God. God is putting his super on our natural all the time, and so our houses are doing good. Our clothes are, are lasting. Our shoes don't wear out as fast. I mean, they do, and if you need to hurry some things along, I'm not opposed to that. And um, uh, <laughs> Or just have a big garage sale, and pastor says we buy at retail and sell it, sell at garage sale prices, and uh, you know. But hallelujah, you got to do what you got to do to stay in fashion. Is that not right? That's right. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So, 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 hallelujah. If you have to, Job twenty-seven. So God is putting this super on our natural, and you are being blessed and multiplied to more than you realize. Uh, you, your money is going further. I know this church's money goes far. And, and uh, it's like I've told you before, sometimes I'm amazed when I even open up the computer and see what's in there. And Because it'll be like, you know, sometimes I'm like, I hope I didn't goof up. I hope there's really this much in it because I'm shocked that, well, praise God, there's money in this account. And uh, I believe God's con continually multiplying this money, and, uh, and, and He doesn't always tell us about it. He wants us to release faith in His Word that He is a good provider, that He supplies our need, that, that He is blessing us, and He wants us to trust Him. Now, it doesn't hurt to double-check if you're prone to mistakes, but... Um, Hallelujah. I was just kidding about me uh, wondering about it. Verse 16. Uh, don't write checks you don't want money you don't have. Though he heap up silver as the dust and prepare raiment as the day. Verse 16 of chapter 27, did I tell y'all? He may prepare it, but the just shall put it on, and the innocent shall divide the silver. Okay, I'm going to read this from the NIV. Though he heaps up silver like dust and clothes like piles of clay... What he lays up, the righteous will wear, and the innocent will divide his silver. And this can happen a lot of different ways. Sometimes, you know, you just go to uh, the store and find a supernatural bargain. You know, it's nearly like they're giving it away, the clothes. And you got a coupon and you got this, and then the sales clerk says, oh, you don't have a coupon, or I got a better coupon, or I've had all those things happen to me. You don't have a coupon? Here's a coupon. I'll use this coupon. I'll, you know, that I've had people in line hand me coupons. We've had people in restaurants come over and say, we're not going to use this. This expires today. And, you know, hand us coupons for the restaurant that we're in. And, uh, you know, so God gets this, this wealth uh, over to us uh, in, in whatever way he can. We find bargains. We find things on sale. We find, sometimes we go to the thrift store and find, uh, designer clothes that nobody's ever really worn, sometimes with tags on them. Hallelujah. Our, our garage sales and, and, and things like that. Um, so God is constantly working in our finances. The, the New Living Translation, evil people may have piles of money and may store away mounds of clothing, but the righteous will wear that clothing and the innocent will divide that money. 
Hallelujah. Verse 19 in the New Living. The wicked go to bed rich, but wake to find all their wealth is gone. You know, sometimes that's how it is. You know, right before the stock market fell out and stuff, they went to bed rich and they woke up a lot less rich. And then some of them went and jumped off the bridge because of it. But we don't put our trust in money. We don't, you know, if you if if you have a, a setback or maybe you actually do have to go buy something, the, the refrigerator goes out and you go and you buy another one. And that was all my savings. And, and I don't fret over stuff like that. Just believe God and it'll come back. You know, just thank God you had it. That's what we do. You know, they, the, the government says, you owe this much taxes. We always rejoice and say, we're glad to do it. We sow it like seed. You got to get a seed attitude towards your taxes. As long as you're mad at the government and all that, well, you're not going to get any benefit from that taxes. But we live in a wonderful nation and we should be willing to pay taxes, not, ex not tremendously high taxes, but we elect leaders to change that. Hallelujah. If we don't like what they are, we elect different leaders that have a different vision. Does that make sense? Ecclesiastes 2. That's after, that's after Proverbs. Ecclesiastes 2. Verse 26. Uh, this is what Solomon said. And he was the wisest man that ever lived except for Jesus. Okay? For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner he giveth travail together and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. See, sometimes we get a people on TV who are well-intentioned and, you know, maybe they're a movie star or something and they want to solve world problems. And I appreciate the fact that sometimes they give money and stuff, but they're never going to solve world problems in third world countries. It's never going to happen because as long as people are worshiping cows and doing crazy stuff like that, they're not, they're not going to prosper. I don't care. We could flood their nation with money and they won't prosper that's why jesus knew better he said the poor you will have with you always why because the poor are poor for a reason because they don't serve god they don't trust in god you the bible that is or they have been uh taught wrong not tithing hallelujah not giving, not tithing, not serving God, not acknowledging God, and worshiping sometimes false gods, and over in third world countries starving flat to death. And, you know, and, and, and what we need for them is the gospel. It's the only thing that's going to turn it around. And there's been people like Jerry Savelle. He has gone to many African nations and proved that the prosperity message works in Africa. When you get people turned on to God, turned on to His Word, they will begin to prosper. And they don't, maybe they don't prosper to the degree, but maybe they had one cow and now they got four. Maybe now they have a bicycle instead of their walking everywhere. And then, it, you know, it goes on from there. 
where doubt, then they get a little car. And, and, you know, as the more the gospel's in the nation, the more light there will be. And the more, the more the nation will prosper and the more the uh, people of the nation will prosper. And the more we shut God out of our nation, the more we'll have financial problems in our nation. And it seems to me that we can take our $16 trillion debt or whatever it is, it's atrocious, and we can correlate that to the fact that we do every, that most of the time uh, our government leaders are doing everything they can to shut God out. First we started with prayer out of the school. Then we start, uh, well, we don't want the Ten Commandments. And then we said, well, we can't put the nativity set on the lawn. And some of the, not, some of the worst of, uh, that, that we need to re, we need to, we need uprooted and prayed out are judges. The judges are sometimes the ones that are interpreting these things and 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 they're kind of messing up the whole thing. Hallelujah. But we pray. And one of the things we pray is, Lord, take our nation to the right. Take our nation to righteousness. To righteousness. We want our nation to go to righteousness. We need an outpouring of glory in our nation. We need a great awakening, another great awakening. Hallelujah. Praise God. We need some judges to be brought down out of office, exposed, and, you know, uh, and uh, there are people that work on that all the time, exposing judges that, that, that make horrible decisions and, uh, uh, and 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 they get them put out. They get them put out. Hallelujah! So we need Christian leaders. We need Christian lawyers. We need Christians in our Senate and in our government and our governors. Hallelujah! Because all of these things make us prosper. Make it easier for God to prosper us. But it doesn't matter. We could be living uh, in India where they're worshiping cows. And, and, and that's what that is what they do in India. Uh, and we can prosper if we have the Word of God, in spite of all of them, and hallelujah. So we need to keep that in mind. To, in the, the NIV, to a, the person who pleases Him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, He gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. The New Living Translation, if a sinner becomes wealthy, God takes the wealth away and gives it to those who please Him. It's coming. It's coming. And sometimes He does that through businesses. If you have a business and the sinner comes and does business with you. Hallelujah. Sometimes He does it through, if you work for somebody that doesn't know God, doesn't acknowledge God, He can do that through raises, through bonuses. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, there's a lot of ways God has to do it. Proverbs 28, 8. It says, He that by usury and and unjust gain increaseth his abundance, he shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. He that by usury and unjust gain increaseth his substance, he shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. The New Living Translation. Income from charging high interest rates will end up in the pocket of someone who is kind to the poor. That's what usury is. It's high, excessively high interest rates. Does that make you think of anything? It makes me think of credit card companies. And there's other places, too, that charge extremely high interest rates. But income that comes that way, 
hallelujah, it's coming right back to those that will, that pity the poor, that have a heart to give. Hallelujah. Psalm 105, 37. We can go there. We, we actually quote this scripture a lot. Psalm 105, verse 37. He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Now, we need to look at this a minute because it's like, okay, he's talking about Israel here and how he brought them out with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. That's what the Amplified says. If you go over to Exodus chapter 12, you actually find this story. And we can see a little bit more detail about it. Exodus 12, verse 30. And it says, And Pharaoh rose up in the night. This is the plagues. This is when we're talking about the plagues. Thank you, Garland. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Now, this was the final plague that God sent against um, uh, Pharaoh in order that, that, that Pharaoh would let the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, let them go and let them go into their promised land. It says there was not one household where there was not a dead person. That is amazing. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people. He said, Get out of here, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Now, God gave Pharaoh a lot of chances to do this the right way, the easy way, we could say. Also, take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We be all dead men. And the people took their dough, where before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Now this is a pretty amazing um, thing that happened here. And, uh, it, it, you know, it got to the point where, uh, see, uh, hallelujah. And I think we need to examine this, but that word there, it says they borrowed from the Egyptians. The word borrowed there, if you look it up in Strong's, it actually means they requested. You know, it kind of sounds like, if you say the word borrowed, it's like, Garland, I need to borrow, you know, uh, some. I want to borrow all your silver and gold. Well, if I say I'm borrowing it, there's kind of an implication I'm going to pay back, right? But this was never going to be paid back. Let me just tell you that. So the word is not borrowed. It is in the King James, but it is actually the word request. It, they requested of the Egyptians their silver and gold, and actually it actually means they demanded. Yeah. And the Egyptians said they were so urgent. The Bible says they were urgent. It was like, get these people out of here before all of us die. And so they demanded it. They and, and 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 it came about because of favor. In verse thirty-six, the Lord gave the people favor in the uh, in the sight of the Egyptians. Uh, so this is this is a very uh, interesting thing. Um, and there was none feeble. We see that word too. I want to read that to you also. It it means there was not one pauper 
That word feeble means there was not one pauper among their tribes. There was not an extremely poor person of all the... And now, you got to remember, they've been 430 years slaves. Do you think there were any of them poor? Well, they were all poor. That's the nature of being a slave. You're poor. You don't own anything. You know, I guess they had kneading troughs because it said they loaded those up. They just still, they were still mixing up the bread and they just put them in their clothes and carried their kneading troughs off. And uh, uh, it means that there was not a person, when they left, there was not a person without means of support. There was not a destitute person. There was no one when they left Egypt that depended on aid from public welfare funds or charity. That's what it means. That word uh, feeble. There was not one feeble. The Tehillim commentary, that's the the rabbis wrote write commentary on the Hebrew scriptures. Rabbi Eliezer the Great taught, the lowliest among the children of Israel brought 90 donkeys laden with silver and gold when he left Egypt. The lowliest brought 90 donkeys laden with silver and gold. Man, that'd be rich by our standard, by this time's standards. 90 donkeys laden with silver and gold? Hallelujah. Now, this is still Rabbi Eliezer. The pauper is a man who has become impoverished and stumbled from his original financial level. No Jew who left Egypt could be described as a pauper because all were enriched by the possessions of their oppressor. Ibn Yaka and Sephorno describe the pauper as a man whose health has deteriorated to the point that he stumbles unless he uses a cane. When the Jews left Egypt, a miracle occurred. Not a single person among them was sick or debilitated or using a cane. Now, we know that when they were Egypt in Egypt that they did have sickness and they did have diseases because God revealed himself at one point and said, he actually said to them, uh, the, the diseases that you know so well. They were very familiar with these diseases and these sicknesses of Egypt. Yet on that day, when they put that Passover lamb's blood on their doorpost and the death angel came into Egypt and, and the firstborn of all of Pharaoh's uh, all of the people of Egypt, all the Egyptians, the firstborn of every household died, even of Pharaoh's household. He's firstborn died. If Pharaoh must not have been a firstborn or he had been dead, he must have been the second or third or fourth or fifth kid or something. Because the firstborn, when that happened, first of all, none of the, none of the Israelis, Israel, children of Israel died. It did not even touch... In all the plagues, none of it touched them, none of the darkness, none of the lice, none of the frogs, all of the things that happened did not touch them. They had The Bible says they had light in their houses when it was completely dark. I, I think that we'll see those kind of things. There might be a, a blackout or brownout or whatever they call it when you know the whole grid goes off the thing. Hallelujah, I believe we'll have light. I know when we had the, uh, what was it? I don't remember if it was a hurricane or a tornado. I think it was a hurricane. No, it had to be a hurricane. I think it was in September. It was really hot. But uh, I remember we had no electricity. And I remember laying in bed that night and kind of feeling this cool. It was nearly like that something cool was hitting you. 
It was it was indescribable. And all night long, not being hot and feeling like something cool was just, you know, it wasn't it wasn't as much as air conditioning, but it was just like something cool kept hitting. I believe, you know, we don't have to fret about things. We don't have to worry about things. Uh, thank you, Lord. You know, if you want to kind of sum up what God told these Jews to do, He told them, these people were not lazy people just looking for a handout. They were slaves. Slaves work hard, extremely hard. If you don't work hard, you get beat. You know, and, um, but really what it was is, I believe what God said was, go back, go back and ask for, go ask for back salary. I mean, if you just want to sum it up, it's because it, because God's not a kind of person. He don't steal uh, from the rich and give to the poor. That's you know that was the Robin Hood thing, uh, and we had that in Texas. Texas passed this law when we lived there, and they would literally take. We had a very extremely rich school district because the taxes from oil and agriculture and all that. So, man, I'm telling you, Seminole Public Schools were the finest, that third highest in Texas. Only one in Dallas and one in Houston, better than Seminole, and Seminole is a little town, 6,000 people, and the finest schools. But they, so they passed this thing because there's all these schools down on the Rio Grande Valley that are dirt poor. So they did the Robin Hood thing, and they called it the Robin Hood. And they took money from the rich school districts and, and gave it to the poor school districts down in the Rio Grande Valley and places like that. And um, boy, you talk about it, it was an uprising in Seminole. And the teachers, and of course, they still had the finest of everything because they didn't take it all. But I remember, you know, uh, Eric would come home. He was about a seventh grader then. He'd say, our teachers say, well, we can't do that because we're a poor school now. And it's like they were still so high above everything, you know, but we're a poor school now. And um, uh, best paid teachers and everything. And so, but that's not, God is not the kind to steal from the rich and give to the poor. So the basis of this whole thing is, is that God's not taking away. This is money owed them. This is money. This is employers that don't pay. This is employers that steal your, the best years of your life and take your best energy and work you on Sunday. So you can't go to church and on Wednesday night and pay you little. No sense getting mad at them. Just start believing God. Or credit card companies that, that give charge such high interest rates that you couldn't get out if you... Hallelujah. God has a way. God had a way for the children of Israel. And we have a better... The Bible says we have a better covenant based on better blood and better promises than they had. And He had a way to get them out. And He got the wealth of the wicked into their hands. Hallelujah. Just start praising Him and thanking Him for it. That's all we have to do. Psalm 105, verse 43. That's just dropping down a few verses. From 105, 37. I have that uh, underlined in my Bible, Psalm 105. I encourage you to speak that. That uh, He brings me forth with silver and gold, and there's not any feeble in my tribe. I've got, wrote out in mine, there's none feeble in my tribe, in my family, or in my church family, or in the body of Christ. Amen. 
And you know, we're coming out. I tell you what, we go up in the rapture, you just wait. You just wait. There ain't going to be, we're not going to come out and go up in the rapture and there'll be, you know, hallelujah. I believe there'll be a tremendous healing revival right before the rapture. I don't know if it, it may last three weeks or six years or, you know, I have a feeling it'll be short. But uh, God's going to bring us out with silver and gold. There won't be any feeble in our tribe. I don't believe we're going to leave here owing money. I don't believe they're going to go, well, them Christians, they left and they got all these debts. And, you know, <laughs> no, I, I think there's going to be some supernatural debt cancellations. I believe some things are starting to rattle around in this world and it's going to be some, there's some changes about to take place. Hallelujah. You're going to get what you sowed for, what you believed for, what you confessed from the Word of God based on Scripture, not based on a little whim. Hallelujah. But it's what you based on, based on the Word. Psalm 105, 43. And He brought forth His people with joy and His chosen with gladness. Or the word there, singing. Hallelujah. We need to, you know, we might as well go ahead and get glad. Hallelujah. We might as well go ahead and start singing and, and have joy. The Tehillim commentary says, God did not merely load their saddlebags with material wealth. He filled their hearts with spiritual wealth. I like that. The redeemed ones reaped a rich harvest of faith, the outgrowth of the wonders they beheld. This filled their hearts with mirth and their mouths with singing. Pastor said we're going to have fun. Hallelujah. We might as well start laughing. Hallelujah. Start having some fun. I believe we'll have fun while wind's here. Do you know having money does, does not make us happy? It won't make you look at all the unhappy people in the world that have money. Hollywood is just a, a picture of it. And, you know, sometimes you watch the biography channel or the documentary channel and you see stories about, I'm like, I'm thinking another day, what is it with musicians? It's like, if you were a good musician, are you just automatically a drug addict? I mean, they're just, it's like they all had such horrible problems. That's not the Bible way. That's not, you know, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And the, the movie stars, they're wealthy, but boy, they're not happy. How many marriages and, you know, in court and yeah, I got to pay every wife off or, or husband, however, which way, you know. And it's like money doesn't make us happy. But on the other hand, not being able to feed our kids, won't, it's not happy either. Hallelujah. But don't think, you all, oh, we're going to get rich, we're going to be happy. You know, you need to get happy now. Amen. We all need to get happy now. Hallelujah. And we'll be way down the road. Um, a second, I want to just close with this because I promised you I was going to give you some scripture. Second Thessalonians 3.10. Because we talked about this not being a, uh, you know, something. Uh, this is a looking to God thing, not a looking to people, not a looking to the government. This is a looking to God thing. Anytime you start looking to people, you've got your eyes on the wrong thing. And people will always let you down. Governments will let you down. 
You cannot depend on the United States of America. I mean, it could be over the, you know, I don't know. I guess if China got mad, it'd be over tomorrow. Because we, I mean, if we, if China wasn't backing us up, there would be no money. Hallelujah. But it don't matter. We put our, we, we prepared for such a time as this. We put substance in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt. I, we don't have to worry. Hallelujah. We have precedent in the scripture for everything we could need. When they needed water, a rock opened up. When the water was bitter, they put a stick in it. When there was no food, the ravens, the, well, first of all, manifest. And then there was quail that came. And then Elijah, the ravens came and brought food. Hallelujah. There's, we have scriptural precedent. We have precedent, pre precedent for light, our lights being on. When the, when the electricity's off. For our air conditioners, I mean, I figure if the electricity's on, the Lord would want us to have air conditioning as well as lights, don't y'all? I, I know He don't want me to be hot. I get grumpy when I get hot. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> I don't want to be hot and I don't want to be cold either. It's like... <laughs> but we have precedent for all of this. It's in the Bible. It's like we don't even have to make this stuff up. We don't even have to hope it's true. You know one thing that's funny? Did you know I read in that book about Jews that like a great huge percentage of them don't even that 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 all that happened, the plagues of Pharaoh and the Red Sea opened and all that. They don't even believe that happened. Isn't that sad? Oh, I tell you. Hallelujah. Well, everything's heating up around here. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if ye would not work, neither should ye eat. Hallelujah. Now that is, that's Bible. And you know what? Uh, we need to have a work ethic. We need to give our kids a work ethic. And the main way, you know how you give a kid a work ethic? Does anybody know? Make them work. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. I remember when uh, Danita used to clean the church over here on 65th Street. Guess who had to come help her? And I'm sure she wasn't getting a paycheck for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember when little self had to come help. I remember before Danita when Eric was cleaning the church. He just got a better job. And he, uh, but it's like, you got to make them work. Or when they get grown, they don't know how to work. And, well, and they don't even, it's not even, it's just, they don't, if you tell them to do something, they don't know how to do it, you know? And, and you know, you've got to teach them how to do all these things. Hallelujah. Because if, and because there's a Bible principle, if you do not work, you do not eat. Hallelujah. Psalm 62, 12. We're not, we're not in here, we're not here teaching on supernatural wealth transfer to say, oh, you know, just stay home and believe God. You know, if you do find yourself without a job, you ought to have the cleanest house in town. And your fence ought not to be... Boy, you got plenty of time now. All Everything you said you didn't have time to do, if you find yourself without a job, you ought to work hard. Hallelujah. You ought to find somebody to serve. You ought to be working. You ought to get everything in your house in order. Hallelujah. It ought to be polished and shining. Hallelujah. And... uh 
start saying, and, and you know, pastor was telling about this the other day, but I, I remember this little pastor's wife in Hobbs, New Mexico. Of course, they had a, uh, they had a, you know, two or three kids. She couldn't work and man, they needed money. Churches, especially in that day and age, uh, what was that? The early eighties, boy, they weren't, you weren't going to get paid too much. Uh, and especially if you was in a board run church, you know, uh, that where the board, you know, like a deacon church, they they purposely set the salaries low, um, so you won't stay long. I was my, I guess it's the it's the theory. At least that that seems to be the way it works. You know, um, uh, but uh, so I remember she's her saying that God gave her this inspiration, and He told her He said, "If you'll pray, I'll pay you to pray." So with three little kids, she would spend her day praying. Set aside time while they were napping and while they were doing this, you know, and she'd pray and God would pay her. Money would come from unexpected places. So if we put our hand to something, God will prosper it. Hallelujah. Psalm, it's Psalm 62, 12. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. So God's looking at our work. God's looking at our work, and He's He renders to us according to that. If we, you know, it's like you. Sometimes people think they're getting by with things in the workplace. Did y'all ever work somewhere where there was somebody on the payroll that didn't work? A slacker, I guess, is what they call them. You know what? You're not getting by with anything. People aren't like that. Aren't getting by with anything. You don't have to worry about them. He God renders to every man according to his work. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, pa pastor, come and...